Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If you want to contact me, either with questions or comments, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at a longer section in Deuteronomy, chapters 12 through 26. In the book Through the Bible in One Year by Dr. Alan B. Stringfellow, he says the structure of the book is that the chapters 1 through 11 are looking backwards, and starting with chapter 12, we are looking forward. There are some positives in looking backwards. Number one, we see what has happened in the past and we learn we don't want to repeat them. We learn from our mistakes. Number two, we see how God brought us through in the past and it empowers us to head forward. Romans 15 verse 4 in the New Testament says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. One of the reasons for the Old Testament is that we look back and therefore we can have hope for the future. One thing we see starting in chapter 12 is that we cannot go backward. We are to remember things in the past, but we don't go backward and we don't stay here. We are heading forward and with God's help, we can overcome and be blessed. Well, chapter 12, verse 1 starts, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall observe to do in the land which the Lord thy God of thy fathers gives you to possess all the days that you live upon the earth. We do see with the words are and shall that Moses is now addressing the children of Israel in the future tense. So he restates the laws that have been mentioned in other books of Moses. This lesson will be a brief overview of those laws. Remember, when dealing with specific laws of the past, we need to keep in mind that it's a different culture and it's a different time period. So we need to try and understand what the heart is of that law and then see how it may apply to our culture and our time period. In verse 8 of chapter 12, we get a glimpse of what will be happening in the book of Judges. Verse 8 says, You shall not do what we do here today. Every man does whatever is right in his own eyes. Instead, they are to follow God's ways because they are God's people. In the first area of this section that God addresses through Moses is worship. And if you remember, the tabernacle sat in the center of the Israelites, both as they journeyed and as they rested. Now that the Israelites will be spread out in their own land and two and a half are on the east side of the river, it has not yet been explained where the tabernacle will be located. But one thing that is clear is that God will choose the place and the tribe where it will rest. This phrase but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose is repeated many times throughout this section. One thing the Israelites were called to do was to take down all of the high places of worship from the inhabitants of the land and all of their idols. And in verse 31, we see a glimpse of their worship style because they burnt their sons and daughters in the fire. In chapter 13, God addresses the leaders of worship, one of which are prophets. One way to know if they are false prophets or if they are enticing the Israelites to follow other gods. God sees this as very severe. 
that anyone, not just prophets, but even family members or friends who would entice them into idolatry, they were to be killed. That's found in verse 9. God's people are to be holy people. This thought of holiness continues into chapter 14 with the holiness of worshipers and with holy offerings and tithes. Verse 2 says that, You are a holy people unto the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. The people of God are a peculiar people. Do I hear an amen? I think I do. I think I hear one. One thing I love about the Lord is that many times he makes a way for us to fulfill that which he asks both in chapters 12, verse 21, and then here in chapter 14, verse 24, he says, And if the tabernacle, the place of worship, is too far for you to bring the correct sacrifice, they could sell it in their land and bring and carry the money with them and then buy there what they needed to get. Chapter 15 is another amazing law that God puts in place in the seventh year. There would be a release of debt or of slavery. There are a few verses I just want to point out. Verse 6 says, The nation of Israel is blessed by God, and therefore they will lend to many nations, but they will not borrow. This just makes me think about us and our national debt. It also makes me think of us and our credit card debts. Are we lenders or are we borrowers? Well, verse 11 says, The poor shall never cease from the land. Jesus said this verse when he was anointed at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. The disciples saw this waste of expensive perfume being poured out on Jesus, and they said, To what purpose was this waste? This anointment could have been sold for a lot of money and given to the poor. And Jesus responds, leave the woman alone, for you have the poor always with you. But me, you do not always have. This pouring was for my burial. Our gifts of worship to the Lord are never wasted. It seems that one reason there was always to be poor is that the people of God are to have a hand wide open to help our brother, the poor, and the needy of our land. We then see a glimpse of a slave that loves the master and loves his house because it is a place of being well, that the slave chooses to stay a slave and gets his ear pierced as proof that he now belongs to the master. I think this too shows us a picture of what it means to be a Christian. We choose to allow God to be our master. We choose to submit to his authority because we love him. And as it says in the New Testament in 1 John 4, verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. This slave was loved by his master, and he chose to stay with his master. Chapter 15 continues once again with holy sacrifices, such as the firstborn without any blemish. They are to bring these sacrifices of worship to the three festivals each year. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is attached to the Passover. The Feast of Weeks, which is the grains, which is attached to Pentecost. And the Feast of Tabernacle, that is tied to the first fruits like grapes that come. And this is found in chapter 16. 
Well, verse 16, I think, is key. At the end of that verse, it says that no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Then once again in verse 17, God makes a way for us to approach him. They are to give as they are able, as the Lord had blessed them. And at the end of chapter 16, we see a beginning of switching from worship into laws about the justice system. Here, God describes judges and officers for each tribe to provide justice in the land, and they are to be honorable and not to take bribes. This leads us into chapter 17, how to have justice in the land. There are to be at least two to three witnesses. If the issue is too hard for the judges that are in that tribe, then they are to bring it to the priest and the tribes of Levi. Then starting with verse 14, we see a glimpse of what will be coming very soon. The Israelites will not want to have the judges rule over them, but they will want a king like everybody else. God says, when you do that, these are the guidelines. One, God will choose the king. Two, he will be an Israelite. And then there are rules for the king. They are not to have multiple horses and they are not to go back to Egypt to get more horses. They are not to go back into the land of Egypt. Two, they are not to have multiple wives because those multiple wives may turn their hearts from the living God. And number three, they are not to multiply silver or gold for themselves. Verse 18 is interesting. The king is to write a copy of the law of God and it will be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life and learn and fear the Lord and keep all the words of the law and of the statutes and do them. One commentator I read said that it was this verse that helped give Deuteronomy its name, meaning the second set of laws. Interesting. How well do you think these kings did in obeying these laws? We will find out in books to come. Chapter 18 is a review of the priests and the Levites who do not inherit the land for the Lord is their inheritance. As a reminder, they have cities throughout the 12 tribes to help teach the people the ways of God. They are also provided support for the offerings that the Israelites give. Chapter 18 continues with forbidden practices such as children's sacrifice, divination, enchanters, charmers, witches, and wizards, and there are others. And why go into them? Why do this when we have access to the one and only living God? Then we see prophets are mentioned. Some are true prophets and some are false prophets. And the way that we can tell is if a prophet says something and if it comes true, then they are true prophets of God. Then Moses says in verse 15, The Lord thy God will raise up unto you a prophet from your midst, like unto me, and to him you shall listen. Israel will have many godly prophets and prophetesses throughout the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Peter is preaching and he says, and this is found in verses 22 through 26, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you and your brethren like unto me, meaning like Moses. Him shall you hear in all these things, whatsoever he shall say unto you, you do. Then he goes on and says about Samuel and all those that followed, spoke of the day that Peter was now living in. 
And then in verse 26, Peter says that God raised up his son, Jesus, and sent him to bless you in turning you away from your iniquity or your sin. Jesus is the prophet that is like Moses. Jesus is the mediator like Moses. If we listen to his voice and turn from our wicked ways and obey his ways, we will be blessed. Chapter 19 restates the cities of refuge, which are a place for a person who accidentally killed someone. They would be safe there from the avenger of blood until trial. Again, in order to be found guilty, there must be at least two or three witnesses. If he ever left the city, the avenger of blood, which was a close relative of the one who died, could kill him. Keep in mind that the justice system was put in place partially so no haste judgment was due. Then we have in verse 21 the saying of a life for a life. If an eye is taken, then an eye is given. Tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. The punishment would be equal to the crime. Once again, the purpose was justice in the land. Chapter 20 gives guidelines on how to wage war. It is prefaced with, Remember the Lord your God is with you. Do not fear, for he will fight for you. First, the priests would approach the people. Then the officers would dismiss those who were afraid or had other legitimate reasons for not fighting. Then the captains would approach with an offer of peace, which meant that the people of that town would serve the Israelites. But if they said no, then war. However, the cities nearby were wicked cities, like cancer cells in our bodies. And the Israelites were to destroy them totally. I love verse 19. They were not to cut down the trees that bear fruit in this land because this is man's life. They could only cut down trees that did not produce fruit. God cares about his people and God cares about the land. In chapter 21, it discusses unsolved murders. Throughout this process, it seems that many times the murderer is not found. But what it does show is who is innocent. And there seems to be repercussions on the land when a murder happens. It seems the blood of the innocent cry out. If the people do this process of sacrificing a heifer and washing their hands, the blood shall be forgiven them. This makes me think of abortion in our land. The blood cries out and God hears. There are repercussions for our actions. Yet God makes a way to be forgiven if we come to him. We then have laws pertaining to marriage and the firstborn and rebellious children. In verses 22 and 23, we see that if a man hung on a tree, he was cursed. Back in the Gospels in the life of Jesus, when the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Jesus, they told Pilate they did not have a way to kill him, but they did. They could have stoned him. They lied because they wanted Jesus to be hung on a tree so that he would be a curse. Therefore, if Jesus was cursed, he could not be God as he claimed to be. In the New Testament book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. 
Then verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus came for all of us, not just the Jewish nation. That is why the promise to Abraham was that all nations will be blessed through his seed, if we believe in him. Chapter 23 leads with people who did not believe and were banned from worship. Again, holiness is the key. In verse 4, Balaam, the son of Beor, is mentioned because he was paid to curse the children of Israel. But verse 5 says that the Lord would not allow Balaam to curse them. Instead, he turned it into a blessing. Why? Because the Lord thy God loves you. Then there were various laws given on how to be a pure people during war. And God says their camp is to be holy because the Lord thy God walks in the midst of their camp. Chapter 24, we then have other various laws. One thing Dr. Betts from my Old Testament class said, one reason they were to obey these laws is that they were to be a witness to the nations. One more overarching point that is made is that they were to remember that they were slaves in Egypt, so they are to treat people with respect, especially the strangers, the fatherless, and the widow. In chapter 25, we see laws about a kinsman redeemer, and this plays a huge part in the story of Ruth that's coming up soon. And then in chapter 26, there is a part about destroying Amalek, which starts in verse 17. And this story about Amalek is found in Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16. And this is the story when Amalek came to war against the Israelites, and when Moses held up his hands, Israel won. In chapter 26, the Israelites are reminded that when they enter the new land, they are to bring their offerings of how God has blessed them and worshipped him, and they shall rejoice And then in verses 16 to 19, Moses gives a concluding charge, once again, like a contract or a covenant, and says, God has commanded you to do these statutes, these judgments, and to keep them with all your heart and soul. And you have vowed to the Lord this day to walk in his ways, keep his statutes and commandments and his judgments, and to hear his voice. And the Lord has vowed that you are peculiar people to him. And if you keep his commands, he will raise you up and make you holy unto the Lord as he has spoken. So ladies, what are our takeaways? Number one, worship is a big deal to the Lord. Today, I fear that we do not even think about entering a holy place when we think about going to church, let alone approaching a holy God. Do we bring an offering to the Lord that is pleasing to him? Is it the first of our income? Or do we just give him a little off the side if we think we can afford it? Do we remember that everything we have comes from God? And do we thank him and praise him for it? Number two, justice. Do we ignore the poor among us? Or do we try and help the weak? If we are in leadership, do we stand for justice or do we take bribes and show favoritism? Are we lenders or are we borrowers? If lenders, do we do so in order to make more profit for our gain or do we do it to help those in need? 
If borrowers, do we need to be proactive to get out of debt so that we can live in freedom? And then the third area is holiness. Are there areas of our lives that we know we are sinning and not pleasing the Lord? Do we need to come to the one who took our curse? He understands so that we might have his righteousness. Today, ladies, if you hear his voice, are you walking in God's ways? Or at least are you trying to? Or are you doing what is right in your own eyes? Remember, when we are blessed by the Lord, we are blessed because we are to be a blessing to the nations, a blessing to those around us. So ladies, let's be women who obey and become a blessing so that we may bless others. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time.